This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I tell them we've had great preparation all week. Make sure you stay focused from the kickoff to the end of the game. Your attitude is we will win. You have the opportunity to take this team and go to the next week. It's not guaranteed, but we will do it. We should have confidence. We should go out and play like we played all year, and we'll be the victor. Good morning, everyone. That is former NFL coach Al Saunders, who was on my show January 12th as the playoffs began here in Kansas City. Last week, they ended a 50-year drought with the Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show here on Sports Radio 810 WHB, our flagship station. This is the Sports Psychology Hour, and I'm here every Sunday talking with you about the mental side of sports. I've been on the air now for 29 years here in the Kansas City area, the last 19 here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Our show is syndicated around the country in a number of cities. And I love doing this show each week because we talk about psychology. We talk about mindsets. We talk about confidence. We talk about attitude. And being that the show is headquartered in Kansas City, Today we're going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, since it's our first show since they won the Super Bowl last week. You know, as a sports psychologist, I've had the privilege to work with athletes in my 39th year now, all over the country. I've been a team psychologist for professional teams, college teams, the Olympic, one of the Olympic cycling teams. Worked with the cycling team for eight years, and. I've worked with uh, close to 30 Chiefs players privately. I've never worked for the Kansas City Chiefs, but I've worked privately with a number of players. Last week, as a fan, as a fan, was a wonderful experience being a Kansas City Chiefs fan for me. I've been going to games since the first game they ever played. My father and I started going August 9, 1963. I've still got the program. Got all the ticket stubs. And a lot of people ask me, Doc, why'd you get into this field? Well, there's three reasons. Why did I become a sports psychologist? Well, number one, I grew up playing tennis, and I was never as good as I should have been because mentally I choked. I don't have a problem saying it. I choked under pressure because I tried too hard to win. If I knew the things back when I was playing, because I'm 65 years old, I graduated high school in 1972. If I knew the things that I know now when I played tennis when I was younger, I would have been a heck of a lot better. Things about focusing and mindset and mental preparation and visualization, confidence. And belief. Belief. Believing in yourself. Never giving up. I had a problem with that when I was younger because I tried too hard and I stressed. As do a lot of people. So that's one reason I became a sports psychologist because it's helped me personally with my own athletic endeavors. Second, I've mentioned many times my family, my relatives. My great uncle Hurst Jacobs was the winningest trainer in horse racing history. And next week on February 13th will be the 50th anniversary of his death. He 
won 3,596 races. He was a role model for me. And I had the privilege of watching his daughter, my cousin Patrice's horse, affirmed, won the Triple Crown back in 1978. I got to see a firm race six times in person, and that influenced me. And then, a fan, being a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs, I've been going to their games since the first time they ever played. Since 1981, I've only missed two home games when I've been in town. One was the day after I got married, which I'd better have missed or I'd have been in trouble. And another when I had severe food poisoning. But other than that, I've been in every game, every home game when I've been in town. So as a fan, I've had the emotional ups and downs that fans have. Because this team has not been very good, and this team's been really good. Yet they've never made it to the top until last week. So the experience for me was great because I was able to go to the Super Bowl and I took my oldest son, Jonathan, with me. I went to the first Super Bowl, January 15, 1967, with my father. And I was fortunate enough to get tickets last week and go and see the Chiefs again in the Super Bowl. As a fan, it was a tremendous experience. It was exciting. The atmosphere was incredible. The Super Bowl, the, the, the setting was great. In fact, several people told me, man, they should have the Super Bowl here every year. It was, as a fan, just a great experience to have that excitement. But as a sports psychologist, it taught me so much. It showed me so much about what this team is about. And I want to get into that today because the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs, if you followed, were down 24 points to Houston, 24 nothing at the end of the first quarter in the first playoff game, the home playoff game. People were booing. There was a guy sitting a couple rows behind me started cursing and saying, why did I waste my money on this? I remember saying to my son, play four quarters. And he said, Dad, the Patriots were down 28-3 to at halftime. They beat Atlanta in the Super Bowl. I said, I know. Well, Chiefs came back and won. Down 10 to nothing to Tennessee. Came back and won. Down 20-10 to in the fourth quarter. With seven minutes to go to San Francisco. Came back and won. I want to talk today about attitude. I want to talk today about belief. And I want to talk today about this whole issue. Because so many people do this all the time. They quit and give up. Long before the game's over. Why? Lack of belief, lack of confidence, self-doubt. I think it's because a lot of people don't take the time mentally to challenge themselves to be prepared to play to the end. The Chiefs showed that in all three of these games. I know a lot of people... In other cities listening to this show don't care about the Kansas City Chiefs, but the, the lesson we can learn from that, I think it's so incredible. This team didn't give up. They easily could have. Why didn't they? I think Al Saunders hit it at the beginning of our show. I interviewed him on January 12th before the Chiefs played Houston that day. They were prepared. Prepare for everything. Have the right focus. Have the right attitude. And be confident no matter what you play to the, the end of the game. I've watched... Some great sporting events in my life. Teams, individuals have come back from basically being done to winning at the end. One of the greatest tennis matches I ever saw was Jimmy Connors in the U.S. Open back in the early 1990s in the, in the uh, round of 16 and in the quarterfinals where he was down match point a couple of times in the third set and came back and won in five sets to over Aaron Crickstein and Jimmy Arias. And then lost in the semifinals to Matt Vlander. Jimmy Connors was, I think, 40 or 41 years old at the time. 
He didn't quit. He didn't give up. So I want to open up the show today and get into this with you. If you are an athlete, how do you not quit? How do you not give up? In the stands, I obviously couldn't see what was going on on TV, but a number of my friends told me after the Chiefs scored, made it 20 to 17 when Travis Kelsey caught that touchdown pass, they showed the San Francisco bench. And the players were hanging their heads, looking down at the ground, shaking their heads. And my friend said, I, he, he said, I knew we were going to win that because they'd already lost. They'd already lost in their minds. They were ahead 20 to 17. They're getting the ball back. They were still in control. But mentally, they weren't. So I want to get into that with you today. So if you're a coach, I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to hear from you on how you teach your team, your athletes, to play to the end. What do you do, <clears throat> excuse me, to not let them give up? How do you coach winning? How do you coach success? How do you coach that? So I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. How do you do that? If you're an athlete, how do you do that? How do you not give up? How do you not quit on yourself? I think a lot of it has to do with confidence, with a deep set belief that we can do it no matter what. Play to the end, don't quit. Focus on positives. And it starts with mental preparation. It starts with the right mindset. I would like to hear from you if you're a coach. And you have coached a team before that came back from the depths of despair and defeat and ended up winning and succeeding. I'd like to hear from you if you're an athlete and that's happened to you before. How did you do it? How mentally were you able to do it? I always like to say you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind will come out on top. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Give me a call. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. 
pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. And today, talking about belief, the whole mindset of belief in light of the Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl last week. And as I said, I was able to go with my son. It was just a, as a Chiefs fan, it was a great, great time. But it was a great experience anyway to be able to go to an event like that and take my son. It's one of those things as a parent, I think you get to share, you know, I think sports is is one of the greatest areas where you can really share fun, excitement, despair as well. Watching your team win a championship, accomplish a goal, to share it with, with your family, with, with someone you love is a great experience. And, and I had that luck last week. I was there, As I said, I went to the first Super Bowl with my father, January 15th, 1967. And I remember it like it was yesterday, 53 years ago. It was a great experience, and little did I know that that would be the beginning of an incredible dynasty of in sports, the Super Bowl becoming what it is now. The L.A. Coliseum was not sold out, and uh, it was a great experience, but not like it is today, I'll say that. But as a psychologist, okay, I want to get into this whole mindset of not quitting, 
of believing today and see what you have to say. If you are if you've played sports, if you're a coach, if you're an athlete, what do you think it takes to play to the end? Not give up, not quit, not stop. I'd like to hear from you. How does that develop? Where does that mindset, that belief, that confidence come from? Our number is 913-3810-810. As I said, I've been a sports psychologist now in my 39th year of doing this. And I've seen so many teams and athletes over the years do this, yet I've seen so many that don't. So what's the difference? For me, I think it's about how you are raised, how you're developed, and what you're taught growing up. You know, I I mentioned my book frequently on this show, Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes for You Sports, that I co-wrote with Kansas City Royals Hall of Famer Jeff Montgomery and USA Olympic Hall of Fame swim coach Pete Malone. Our third chapter in the book is entitled Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun. I think that chapter sums up a lot of this. If you learn to not get caught up with the negative mindset of failure when you're younger, when you're teaching kids to play sports, to take a test, you're going to screw up. You're going to fail. I don't care what the event is, what the activity is. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to screw up. Why? Because it happens. And it happens because, you know, no one is perfect. People do screw up. But I think the way you overcome that is as a youngster, when you're younger, to not be scared of it. When I've watched video of the sidelines of the Chiefs and 49ers last week, the Chiefs players were positive and pumped up, even they're down 20 to 10. They're sitting there talking about, we can do it, let's come, let's, let's go do it now, let's come back right here. And when the Chiefs scored that touchdown to put it 20-17, the 49ers were hanging their heads, shaking their heads, looking at the ground. They were still ahead. They were still in control. So I think a lot of that, if you go back to Patrick Mahomes, whom I've never met or spoken to before, but I've listened to him talk. I've read about his upbringing. I mean, obviously his father played Major League Baseball. He was around very successful athletes at a young age. And you listen to him talk, he's not afraid of failure. He doesn't look at it that way. He looks at what you have to do to keep going ahead. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I think the lessons we can learn from the, with the Chiefs' three playoff games and Super Bowl game are immense if you're a coach about teaching kids, athletes, the whole idea of continuing to be positive and up, upbeat pot and, and, and focusing on what's in front of you. You know, research has found, and I've said this many times over the years. Years ago, this research I saw said you, it takes 12 positives to overcome one negative. Well, it's real easy to be negative. And in life today, especially if you turn on the news, it's all negative. It seems like everything's negative all the time. We're, we're consumed with negativity. So being positive is not easy unless it's part of your MO, your modus operandi, if it's, if it's part of the way you function. I think the Kansas City Chiefs' belief, and it's, it's obviously it starts with their head coach, Andy Reid, on down to the assistant coaches and the players. 
I think it starts with the mindset. Play to the end. You just keep playing. You just keep playing. When the clock says 0-0, then we stop. Last night in college basketball, Duke and North Carolina renewed their rivalry. North Carolina was way ahead with a couple minutes to go, and Duke ended up winning in overtime. Some people can say, well, Duke's players are more talented. Maybe they are. But they didn't quit. They didn't give up. You don't. If you don't quit and give up and you play to the end and you focus on what's in front of you, you have a much, much, much greater chance to succeed. But I'd, listen, I'd like to hear from you. If you're a coach or you're an athlete and you have been in a situation before when you have been down in a game, in a contest, in an athletic event, you've been behind, but you didn't give up, you didn't quit, you kept playing, and you ended up turning it around and coming out on top, how did you do that mentally? What'd you do? What were you thinking? What were you saying to your teammates? What were you saying to yourself? I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach, if you're an athlete, if you're a fan. If you're a fan, how did, let me ask you this question. If you were watching the Super Bowl and you're a fan of the Chiefs and they were down 20-10 to 10, and Patrick Mahomes throws the second interception of the game, it glances off of Tyreek Hill's hands, throws a little behind him, gets intercepted. Did you give up? Did you give up right there? I know a lot of people who've told me they did. They thought it was over. And I'm being very honest. I did not. I did not because there were still seven and a half minutes to go. Or a little more than that, actually, at that point. Because I've, I've learned throughout my work that it comes down to that confidence. And it's not easy to do. It's easy to give up. It's easy to let, let the air out of the balloon, to feel it go out. I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach, if you're an athlete, if you're a fan. How do you have that confidence, that belief? How do you develop it? How do you maintain it? And how do you keep it when you're behind in a game, in, a, in an event? When things aren't going well, and maybe in life. It doesn't have to be sports, it could be life. How do you overcome this? At the top of our show, we had, we had the quote from Al Saunders, 50-year coaching veteran. Talking about preparation, focus, attitude, confidence. The four words I talk about all the time on this show. All right, I'd like to hear from you. If you are a coach, if you're an athlete, if you're a fan, how do you not give up? This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. 
Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition, and Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hope you're enjoying our show this morning. We're talking about belief in light of the Kansas City Chiefs winning Super Bowl 54 last week, coming from behind 20-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter. We're going to go to the phones. We're going to talk to MW here in a moment. Is online. If you are a coach, if you're an athlete, if you're a fan, how do you not give up? How do you not give up? Want to hear from you about that. Before we get into that, I'm going to talk to MW in a moment. I want to mention something to you. You know, you've heard me talk on my show that it's growing. We're on radio stations coast to coast now. And I have created something called the Sportsmanship Foundation with this show. It's a nonprofit organization. 
and it's the goal is to educate athletes, parents, coaches, officials, and general public about sportsmanship, about the mental side of sports, about mental health in sports, helping athletes achieve success but feel good about themselves. If you want to help me educate the public, go to my website, winnersunlimited.com, scroll down and click on the Sportsmanship Foundation. You can make a donation. It's tax-deductible, and it's to help this show grow because my goal is to make this show a national show. I really want it to be a national show, and I think there's a need for it. So, M.W., tell me how you're doing today. I'm doing just fine today, Dr. Jacob, and yourself. I'm great. I'm great. Tell me I want to say, uh, I would like to throw out a little bit of uh, Yogi Bear. You know, he, he's extremely quotable. He, he always said it was not over till it's over. And uh, that was a, that's a good line. But I really think that a wonderful thing about this is this all was for Norma Hunt. You know, because she's been there from the very start. And Lamar, you know, this, you know when they we weren't ever supposed to be anything. The AFL was kind of a joke for a while. And then all of a sudden the merger and all that stuff. And and uh, and then uh, Lamar calling it the Super Bowl. You know, that's all Kansas City born and bred stuff. And I just wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit about how great that is for the Kansas City area. I mean, it's we, we got we've been on the news now for a long time, and that's I mean, it was just wonderful. And uh, you know, and they in the, in the way they came back too. You know, down by you know twenty when you're losing twenty four to nothing, there's no way to expect to win that game. But uh, I got a few laughs. Uh, when I when I said, well, we got them right where we want them, and we were ten points down because all, you knew that the, the teams were were really really good fourth quarter team. I let mean, me, let, MW, let me ask you something. Okay, I, I talk on this show, and I know you've called in many times over the years. Confidence, the belief in yourself, the belief in your abilities, the belief in your skills and talents. How do you develop that confidence, MW? How do you think the Chiefs had that confidence in all three of those games to be down? Right away, and at the end, first two right away, twenty-four nothing, ten nothing, and then down twenty to ten. How do you think they have that confidence to not quit? Well, I think that it just comes from uh, uh, the it was almost like it was a pattern. I mean, they just never give up. Got, but why? Like, but why didn't they give up? Because it would have been easy. Look, they're down twenty-four to nothing in the first quarter. They were shell shocked a little bit, but Patrick Mahomes was not. See, that was what's interesting. Never met him. You know, I had Mitch Morse on the show a couple weeks ago who played for the Chiefs for four years and I was with Buffalo, and he talked about it. He mentioned, you know, Patrick Mahomes, his first year didn't play into the last game because he was behind Alex Smith, and he said Alex Smith is the consummate professional. Mitch had nothing but wonderful things to say about it, the type of person Alex Smith is and how that helped Patrick Mahomes look at the picture. Of course, growing up with a major league baseball pitcher as a father helped him too, but how do you develop that? Everybody doesn't have a professional athlete as a parent, okay, and doesn't get the opportunity to sit behind a great athlete in their position and learn from it. So, M.W., how do you learn confidence? I think a lot of it has to do with the, the people all around him. I mean, he, we, we've done a tremendous job of drafting, and we've got, like, the, the two fastest players in the NFL are on, on our team, and then the, probably five of the top seven fastest players. We've got a really, really nice complement of athletes, and then the fact that Mahomes is just—he's—he's uh, a, he's a never give up sort of a guy. Right, but why? But I mean, you're right about having great, great athletes around him. But he has that belief. I mean, you—you you listen to him talk, 
and watch him play. And there's there's not negativity there with him. Okay? There's not negativity. It's like when he makes a mistake and he threw two. Look, I don't remember when he threw an interception prior to the Super Bowl. It's been a long time, but he threw two. A lot of guys would have given up when the second one happened. Okay, the Chiefs are in scoring territory. They would have at least been in a position to at least kick a field goal, make a field goal attempt. Tyree Kill, the Paul's behind him, gets intercepted. Second interception of the game. A lot of guys would have given up right there, but Patrick Holmes did not. And I think that's because of the, the way he was raised. I think because of his parents, and I think because of the people he's been around, and I think because of Andy Reid and Alex Smith developing that confidence, they never give up, always believe in what's ahead of you. What do you think about that? Well, I agree with you 100%. I think that, but I, I think Andy Reid and... Uh, it's, it's really wonderful, and, and like I said earlier, it's so nice to to be able to give that Lamar Hunt trophy to to Norma Hunt, who's been there for, like I said, from the very start. And I I just think that it, you, if you have a lot of confidence in yourself and confidence in your teammates, I believe that all anything is possible, and it's never over until it's over. And the Chiefs, I don't. I, I'm, what I'm hoping now, though, is that we can. I don't want to count my eggs chickens before they're hatched, but, but I would I would I'll be disappointed if the Chiefs don't win three or four now. Well, now one day at a time here, tough. one day at a time. Yeah, that, I, I, people start getting caught up in that. And, and look, next year's team will not be the same as this year's team. There's always about a twenty to thirty percent turnover on teams, so we'll just have to see. But MW, as always, thanks for your call. There's going to be a free agency thing. I know there's a lot of people that are going to get a lot of money somewhere else. That's just the way it is. There, yeah, there are, there are a lot of people who are going to be getting a lot of money, and uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what happens. Thank you for your call, my friend. I appreciate my your pleasure. call. Take care. I would like to hear from you if you're a coach, and you have coached the team that has been way behind before and has come back. Come back from the depths of despair, from being behind, how do you overcome that negativity in an athletic contest? How do you build that confidence? How do you develop that confidence? To me, it starts with preparation. It starts with communication. It starts with talking and sharing and discussing, getting to know each other, getting to know. As a co- Great coaches are great communicators. But you know what? why they're great communicators? Because they're great listeners. They listen. They absorb. They learn from the people they coach. You know, I, I, I've, I've worked with so many great coaches and some pretty bad ones, too. And the really great coaches I have found are people who take the time to get to know their athletes as people. They get to understand what they're about, where they come from, and they let them be themselves. They don't try to turn them into robots or machines. They let them become who they are. And I think that's the makeup of a great coach. They, let, they get to know their athletes as people. They get to understand their goals. They understand their positives and negatives. They understand the stressors. And they try to work with that. And and I think if you take any team that succeeds, there's a common bond with that with the coaching staff and the players. Confidence, confidence, confidence. You have to have it. And look, I'm biased. I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I've worked with a number of players privately. I've been going to the games, as I said, since the first game they ever played. As a fan, I'm a lifelong fan. I truly am a lifelong fan of this team. And it's had a lot to do with why I'm in this profession. And over the years, I've, I've been lucky enough on this show to interview Will Shields, Willie Lanier, Otis Taylor, Mitch Morse, Nick Lowry, some of the greatest Chiefs players they've ever had. And we've talked about these issues, these topics, 
And the one common theme that they've all come up with is that they all have had that confidence. They've overcome failure before. They don't let it become an obstacle. I mean, Nick Lowry retired as the most accurate kicker in football history in 1996. He kicked more field goals than anyone in football. And he was cut 11 times by 18s before the Chiefs signed him. And he beat out Jan Stenner, who's the only kicker to go in the Hall of Fame at that point when he retired. Confidence. It's about that. All right, I'd like to hear from you. If you're a coach or an athlete, you've been behind in a game, but you didn't quit and give up. Why? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration.
This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports on this show, the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm in my 29th year on the radio now, and as I mentioned earlier, our show's now being syndicated. I'm up to 11 cities, and the list is growing, and I look forward to this show growing into a national show, which is our goal. And before we get going on our last segment here this morning, I want to thank someone. His name is Joshua Byers. He has been my producer for quite a while, and he has decided to go on to better endeavors and move on from here. But I want to thank him right now for everything he's done. He's done a great job on this show. He's been here on time every day, unlike some people in the past since I've been on the radio for years when people have not shown up to be the producer. So I want to thank you, Josh, for everything you've done, and good luck with everything you're going to do. You can say something. I appreciate that, Dr. Jacobs. Yeah, you do a great job. And whatever I know whatever you're going to do, you'll be successful at it because you're, you're really good at what you do. So thank you for everything you've done for me. You've been real professional, and I want to thank you. All right. Confidence. That's what I'm getting into today. And there's still time to <clears throat> hear from you. If you're, a co- I'd like to hear from a coach or an athlete who has had to overcome being down in the game, being behind, that negative thought. How do you overcome it? How do you not give in to that negativity? Our number is 913-3810-810. If you have played sports, undoubtedly at some point in some contest, some athletic event, you have been behind. And you didn't expect to be behind. You thought you were going to be ahead. You wanted to be ahead. So how did you build that momentum, that confidence to get there? As I said earlier, it starts to me with your upbringing, with the way, you're, what you're taught, how you're taught, and how you're taught to overcome failure when you're younger, to not be scared of it. See, I think that's a big part. I think we are so afraid to fail, we're, we're, we get so anxious and uptight about failing that it becomes this, this barrier, this obstacle, and as soon as we get behind, as soon as we start to fall apart, that negativity creeps in and overcomes you. And it becomes real easy to do. Real easy to do. Positivity in sports is hard to develop over the long haul because you're going to screw up and fail. And that's why I think when you are younger, and this is our whole philosophy that I've I've mentioned, if you teach athletes when they fail, why'd you fail? How do you overcome it the next time? Instead of yelling and screaming at them and degrading them and cutting them down, I think it really helps these athletes develop as they get older to to, to do well. Now, obviously, you have to have the physical skills. Let's face it. You take Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill. They've got, obviously, great physical skills, but they've got great work work ethic. I mean, look, Tyreek Hill's speed is is a God-given skill that he has, talent that he has. There's nothing, nothing we can do about making somebody faster like that. But you can improve your your speed and your skills by working. And then it comes down to this whole issue of this. Okay, to me, it's about confidence. It's about the belief that you can do whatever you want to do no matter the situation. And building confidence is not easy if you're around negativity. That's why I think failure in whatever you do, I don't care if it's sports, if it's school, if it's relationships, it's going to happen. So how do you overcome it? 
I think a lot of it has to do with belief internally, with what you're taught by your parents, by your teachers, by your coaches. And I think if you learn to not be afraid of it, as I said earlier, not be afraid of failing, but to embrace it, you're able to come back. You're able to do better. If you strap it up, if you lace it up, you're going to go out and compete. You're not, you know, if you go out and play a tennis match, you're not going to win six love, six love, and win every point. You're going to lose some. If you play golf, you're going to shank a shot. You're going to top a shot. You're going to hit one out of bounds. Play baseball, you're going to strike out. Play soccer, you might miss an open goal and hit it over the goal. You know, failure is going to happen. But instead of being scared of it and angry about it, how you embrace it and learn from it is going to teach you to get better. I am thoroughly convinced of that. And it's something that I've worked on forever with the athletes that I work with. Confidence is so hard to develop when you're not taught how to use it and grow it. If you're taught about why you're not good enough, why you quote-unquote suck, why you're not any good, that's where your mindset is at. It's not easy to be confident if you're always degraded and insulted. All right, let's go back to the phones. Let's see what Wayne has to say. Wayne, thanks for calling in. How are you today? Doing good, sir. How are you? Great. Get your thoughts. Well, um, I was in a situation. I coached uh, high school for 30 years, and I'm still I'm 70-some years old, and Still coaching, uh, donating my time to schools, and uh, I had the opportunity to coach a game in which we were down thirty-five to thirteen at half. And of course, I was the head coach, and the coaches and the kids were a little down. And uh, we went into the uh, locker room and talked about what we had to do to come back. Um, I tried to stay positive because I could I could feel the uh, the emotion was not there. I think the key to it is is what Patrick Mahomes brings to the table is I had Patrick Mahomes on my team. I had a young man who was a three-sport veteran. He was our quarterback, and he was a tremendous leader. And uh, because of him, he brought those kids um, together. You know, he didn't he didn't quit, and he didn't let the coaches quit. Um, and and we went back out at, after the halftime, and they and through all the wonderful things that we said at halftime, they immediately scored again, and uh, and we came down and scored, and, and we were down 21 points uh, in the middle of the th- third quarter, and basically this young man just uh, we had a turnover and things turned around, you, and you you saw that on on uh, Sunday, but the biggest thing was that I had this young man that the kids would follow, and he kept talking to him about 22. We were going to score 22. He had it, he had it completely figured out how we were going to win that game. Why? Why, Wayne? Why did, and we've just got about a minute left here for you. So why, why did that happen? His, his, his upbringing was, a, was a, a positive upbringing. He was a positive young man in everything he did, and the kids would follow him anywhere. So he was a tremendous leader, and, and he led by his emotion, and he led by his actions on the field, and he led by his verbal commitment to them. 
And I'm guessing he was not afraid to fail. He was not afraid to fail. There you he go. Was, and you and you embraced that and helped him develop that as a coach. Oh, certainly, certainly, and 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 uh, appreciated the fact that he was he was just part of our group. Well, I want to thank you for calling out this morning, sir. I appreciate your thoughts and. Uh, Congratulations on all your years of coaching. I'm sure you've touched a lot of people in a very positive way just based on what you're telling me right now. Thank you, sir. Thanks for your call. You know, that just summed it up. There you go. I mean, it's about upbringing. It's about belief. It's about who you are. It's about the people you're around. And it's about learning to not be scared. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. And we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, I now, my show is developed into a nonprofit corporation called the Sportsmanship Foundation. If you go to my website, winnersunlimited.com, if you'd like to donate to it, we're trying to make this a national show. It's a tax deduction for you. Just go to winnersunlimited.com and scroll down to the Sportsmanship Foundation. You can make a donation of $5, $50, whatever you'd like to do to help us develop this, to make this a national show. Because I think people need to hear what we're talking about. I think people need to understand the mental side and the importance of developing a positive mindset. There are a lot of issues in sports today that are not good. There are abusive coaches out there. There are abusive parents out there. There are abusive athletes out there. Mental health is has now become something in the spotlight. Finally, finally, people are talking about it. So I'd like you to think about considering do- donating, if you'd like, to our, our show. I hope you've enjoyed what we talked about today. I'm here every week. You can get a hold of me several ways. My website's winnersunlimited.com. Send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. Give me a call at my office at 816-561-5556. Follow me on Twitter at drjsportspsych. Our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. They're on SoundCloud. They're on my website. If you're a coach, if you're an athlete, if you're a parent, you're an official, you're a fan, hope you've enjoyed the show. Love to get your feedback. If there's something else you'd like me to talk about, another topic, I'm always open to hearing what you'd like. Have a great week. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from the flagship station Sports Radio 810 WHB. Take care. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. 
when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station.